Hello and welcome to Balderdash Academy. I'm your headmaster, Bob LeBlanc. Joining me is our faculty professor of STEAM, Nate Green. Buongiorno. <laughs> professor of Home Ec and Wellness, Marie Stewart Harmon. Bonjour. <laughs> professor of Computer Technology, Randy Hunt. Hi. <laughs> and our five-time reigning champion tied with Nate for the most wins, Professor of English Language Arts, Molly McGill. Bon voyage, because they're all going down. <laughs> yes, I did say Professor, but we're going with it anyway. Uh, Coach Steve is off in an away game right now. Meanwhile, at the away game... No, no, no. You literally could not have gotten that more wrong if you tried. What I said was two meatball subs, hold the provolone, add Havarti. Yeah, I know it's weird. That's just how my cats like it, dude. What are you doing? I have told you every single day to stop coming here. This is not a charity. It's a charity for the birds because they're beautiful and they sing and they bring joy to my life. You are just fat and gray, and you wouldn't even make a very good coach. What was that? What was that? Time out, time out. Are you kidding me right now? We ran this play 24 times. I don't care that you're only eight years old. If you want to continue being my niece, you gotta know the difference between a pick and roll and a give and go, okay? No more excuses. And maybe a side of uh, fried pickles. Yeah, you can throw Havarti on that too. Our visiting professor today is John McCarthy. John is a 25-year publishing veteran who last served as senior managing editor and spirits and cocktail pundit at Men's Health Magazine. Since leaving the magazine, John has traveled the world in search of intelligence about fine wine and spirits, amazing adventures, and incredible stories for publications. And his first book, The Modern Gentleman, a guide to the best food and drink accessor accessories is available now. The link is in the description. Make sure to pick it up. John has agreed to be the scorekeeper tonight while our faculty members compete for the coveted reigning champion banner. They will do their best in a showdown of competitive comedy. And at the end of each, John will assign points to the competitor he feels is most worthy. He's not looking for the correct answer. He's looking for the best answer, which is for the best because he's likely not going to find the correct answer. The points are <laughs> arbitrary and can be given to anyone for any reason. At the end of the show, the faculty member with the most points will be named the reigning champion. Our current reigning champion defending her title is five-time reigning champion Molly McGill. I said champion a lot there, didn't I? <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay. <laughs> All right. And speaking of the champ, that sound means it's time to hear from the champion herself. Our first pop quiz of the evening is from Professor Molly McGill. What do you have for us, champ? Oh, good evening, faculty. Welcome, visiting Professor John McCarthy. So great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Cheers, by the way. Cheers back. Uh, just so you all know, um, last week was fun when we did the quote, but I'm going back to a fan favorite. I'm going back to the word of the day. So, John, what I'm going to yes. do is I'm going to give our faculty 
a word. They're going to tell me what they think the definition is. And at the end, you're going to give out points. Are you ready, faculty? Yes. Yes. Okay. Today's word of the day is Kirkabit. Today's word of the day is Kirkabit. Kirkabit. Marie. Yes, um, a kirkabit is a very special type of bit for a horse. Um, okay. It was named after um, a jockey named Kirk um, who was able to communicate through his mind and, the, and he, sp- he like had telepathic messages to this bit. Kirk did. And it went on. The jockeys are able to be one with their horses due to this kirkabit. Wow, that was an answer. Yeah. Thank you so much, Marie. <laughs> Thank you. Randy, what do you got? Oh, uh, the Kirker bit, I believe, uh, was a term used way back, like an old, like, barn dances and stuff like that. Uh, you know, they'd finish the dance, the, the boy and the girl, they'd be dancing. Uh, and then uh, when they were done, the girl would curtsy uh, a bit. Uh, and then uh, the word just transformed over time into the, into the Kirk a bit. Yes, uh, that makes Tiny some curtsies. sense. Tiny curtsies, got it. Okay, and Nate, what do you have? Yes, it's actually um, a solution that you put into your favorite bev- beverage. And what it does is when you drink it, it makes you talk like Captain Kirk. And ah. this lasts for <laughs> several <laughs> seconds. And then it's done. <laughs> uh, it's a fun party trick. Um, and that's, you just need a little bit and it's called Kirk a bit. All right. Yeah. Just a little bit of that. Bob, what do you have? So it's a term from the scotch making world in Scotland, Mm. particularly it's a Speyside term referring to the overabundance of alcohol and its effects on American speech patterns. So Mm. when an American drinks too much scotch, they tend to take on a false Scottish accent, at which point they're a little bit carcabit and don't know what you're doing. Like that poor Scottish accent. (laughs) Later on, I might have a Scotch and demonstrate completely what a carcabit is. Behind the scenes flashback. Pardon me, I'm fixing my bagpipes. This has been a Balderdash Academy flashback. We are not surprised by that. Okay, your Scottish well, accent little... sounds just like your English yeah, it's, accent. It's been a while since I've been on stage to do one. I need to polish up on it. Okay, faculty, we we bit of pandering there to our visiting professor, and that oh, goddamn okay. yeah. So, John. <laughs> so, John, this is what we have. Marie has a telepathic horse bit. Randy yes. has a wee little curtsy from the barn dance. Nate is a Captain Kirk over, and Bob is totally drunk Americans doing a Scottish accent. <laughs> How would you like to divvy up points if you think any are worthy of them? Uh, well, first of all, um, right off the bat, I think Marie is totally right in her answer. So I got that right off the bat. And she came out with it really fast, too. So we're going to give her a lot of points. Uh, Great. Yeah. That. Um, awesome. Bob gets no points for trying to get that Scottish, that that whole Scottish accent. <laughs> I, mean. I agree to the point where I'd give myself negative points for that one. <laughs> negative points because I might have. I've to. done better. <laughs> you can. 
All right. So um, first of all, so Marie will give Marie a uh, hundred points. Wow. Obviously, getting the right answer. That's really not the right answer. Thank you. <laughs> Remember, right answer doesn't matter. You're looking for the best answer. You 75 points for coming up with that story. That was really quick and funny, and and, and you got a lot of points for creativity on that. Uh, what was it, Kirkovit? Uh, Nate, I think you confused Kirkovit with Aquavit, which is a uh, Scandinavian spirit, which ah. makes you do all the things that you said you do. So... Um, <laughs> I always get them confused. You kind of messed that up a little yeah. bit. I'll give you 50 points um, for taking a stab at it. How's that? That sounds great. Thank you. Love it. Very generous. Okay, well faculty, done. as as usual, you all don't thrill me. And uh, <laughs> I realize that I, when it comes to words, I mean, you thrill me in other ways. But that's for another I am show. Thrilling. <laughs> I've got some words. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So you haven't been studying. That's no, not no, a shocker no. to anyone. No. So jot this down. A kirkabit is actually a gourd-shaped flask used in distilleries. A gourd-shaped flask used in distilleries, which I think is appropriate for our visiting professor. Yeah. I suppose it is. Absolutely. Indeed. I suppose I should have known that. Yet I learned <laughs> here today. <laughs> that's why we're here. All right. <laughs> If it's what I think they're talking about, it's called a thief in, in American whiskey, which is kind of a long tube that they stick into a barrel and put their thumb on top like you would a straw to present a sample out of a, out of a barrel. Yep. Sounds like that, but I, I don't know. Now I've right. learned something. There you go. <laughs> a thief. So, Make school real laughs. <laughs> Before we move on to the next game, I will spin an opening icebreaker question for John from the Balderdash Randomizer. The spin will generate a random question that John will try to answer in 30 seconds or less. These questions can be anything from work and play to general trivia or things that we just want to know. The icebreaker question for this one is... John, I hear you're a music junkie, so what was the best show you've been to and why? In my life? Sure. Answer it any way you'd like. Oh man. There's gonna be a there's gonna be a couple here. Uh, and I know Molly thirty seconds or less. I know Molly's waiting <laughs> for me to say something about like Fish or the Grateful Dead because that has been my passion through my whole adult life. But I have to say the best show that I've ever been to in my life would be a Slayer concert um, at the Ritz in in uh, Brooklyn in 1986 for the rain and blood tour i was 17 years old um i lived and died for that band i was front row and they just blew the lid off the place and it was probably the best musical experience i've ever had in my life so there you go slay yes nice that was a good answer that is awesome my husband will be very pleased (laughs) (laughs) we have real questions our first game is called four questions now john is an expert in spirits having written for roads and kingdoms uh, Ford, Men's Health, Maxim, J.W. Marriott Magazine, Bourbon Plus, and Gear Patrol. He is the director of judging for the Barleycorn Awards and International Spirits Competition. He's author of The Modern Gentleman. Again, link in the description. And was the whiskey director and bartender at the Rose Room at the Garden City Hotel before the pandemic. 
So in honor of our visiting professor, tonight's four questions will be about one of my favorite topics, whiskey. All right, let's go. Yay! Whichever one of our faculty members gives the best answer, not the correct, but the best, John will award points our first question. The word whiskey is derived from the old Irish term whiskybeya. Whiskybeya means what? So, Marie, what does it mean? Yes. Um, Whiskybeya um, is what the, the sweet old Irish mums would whisper to their babes when they were colicky and trying to fall asleep. Um, Whiskybeya, Whiskybeya. And when they would not fully get out of that little colicky, I'm going to cry all night, just a little dab of whiskey right on their gums, put them right to sleep. Whiskybeya, Whiskybeya. Hmm. All right, whiskey on the gums. Hmm. Nate, what do you have? <laughs> uh, it is actually uh, comes from uh, the Irishmen who go sailing. Um, and what they do is they look at the map and then they ask, which bay? Which bay are we going to? Uh, <laughs> except as they got more drunk, it kind of just starts learning to whiskey bay. Huh? Um, so there we go. <laughs> All right, so drunk directions, Molly. <laughs> Molly, what's your answer? Wishkabea is actually a code word that they used to used to use um, when they were they got their dole and they were hitting the bars. They'd be like, "Johnny, you coming home tonight?" And he'd be like, "Yes, Martha, I'll be home." And then he'll look at his friend Pete and he'll be like, "Wishkabea." And later off, they'd both meet at the bar and be like, "Ha ha ha ha." All right, <laughs> buddy drinking safe word. Randy, what's your answer? Uh, Wishkabea, I believe, was uh, was wash the barrel. And when I say wash, we know that, you know, kind of like a cast iron pan, you don't actually wash it yeah. because that would be bad. <laughs> uh, so you Oops. actually use a little bit of like uh, uh, feeder whiskey to, to wash the barrel out to prepare it for being filled with real good whiskey. And then you mm. wait a bit, a couple of years. <laughs> all right no great great answer barrel wash so all of those answers contained words the actual answer uh was water of life whiskey bea it's actually where we get the term whiskey from it was the name given to any alcohol uh, any distilled alcohol from irish monks uh it's actually a translation of aqua vitae so you Speaking of that other liquor. So I love that bottled water. John, <laughs> how would you like to score? Uh, let's see. So, uh, Randy, I like that you got really close to the whiskey in this and that you came up with an answer yeah. that was, you know, that was, that was close, to the, close to the barrel. Um, what they do do is they steam the barrels um, in Scotland before they use them. Most whiskey... Um, in Scotland, or Scotch whiskey is made from a used barrel, and most of the used barrels in the world come from uh, bourbon, and uh, to a smaller degree rye. The reason for that is because bourbon and rye can only be aged in a new barrel. So once they use them once, they send them to Scotland, and they use them up to eight times. And they, they'll generally steam those barrels out between uses and stuff like that to get all the stuff out. But you were on to that. So for that reason, you get 100 points. Um, Thank you. <laughs> all right, 100 points. Marie, uh, I'm giving you more <laughs> points because at the very end you came up with the putting the, the the whiskey on the baby's gums, and I thought that was really clever. So we'll give you 75. How else do you put babies to sleep? 
Not a parent. Seventy. <laughs> Not a parent. <laughs> Seventy-five for Marie. Am I allowed to curse Thank on you, the show? John. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's Molly, what the <laughs> f- <is> that? No. <laughs> <laughs> which bay? Everybody's drunk. Which which bay? Which bay? <laughs> no, that was cute. Yeah. All right, twenty-five points each for taking a stab. All right. Cool. 25 points each. Our next question. So the four main Scottish areas of wiki of whiskey production are Lowlands, Speyside, Highlands, and Isla. Isla is famous for what, Nate? What is it famous for? It's famous for being the stunt double of the Eye of Sauron in uh in the Lord <laughs> of the Rings movies. <laughs> It was just the stunt double. It did all of the tricks. Like any sudden movements, that was Isla. All right. The double eye of Sauron. Molly, what do you have? Uh, it's famous for uh, Miss, Miss Whiskey Universe pageant, which takes place every five years. It is coveted. Uh, it's open internationally, but usually somebody from that area wins because crowd favorite. All right. All right, whiskey goggled universe pageant. Randy, what do you have? Uh, mm, Isla. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna say that uh, uh, that would be, I don't know, like like the channel of water between uh, uh, part of the Lowlands area of Scotland and the Highlands area. That's like it's the Isla. All right, so it is the border. The border channel. Why not? Marie, what's your answer? <laughs> um, Isla, Isla was, um, there was a lot of sailors around the island for a very long time. And um, J.M. Barry, the author of Peter Pan, was talking with one of these sailors one day. And he's like, what did you see on the island? Well, a lady with fins? So mermaids originated on the Isle La, on Isla, <laughs> and so much so that it made it into the wonderful story we all know as Peter Pan. All right, so uh, <laughs> we have, again, four answers. Uh, Nate had, it was a stunt double for the Eye of Sauron. Molly, it's famous for the Miss Whiskey Universe pageant. Randy said it was a channel of water between the lowlands and the highlands, and Marie said it's mermaids. It's famous for <laughs> yes. its mermaids. Isla is yeah. actually famous for its peaty single malt whiskeys. Mm. Again, all of your answers were in sentence form. John, how would you like <laughs> to score? Uh, well, let's see. We got the. We're going to split this up between creativity and actually coming anywhere near the answer. Uh, <laughs> yes. um, I'm going to have to give Nate 100 points for 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 coming up with um, with stunt double out of all this. I just don't know how he does it. Yeah. So we'll give him 100 points. Uh, Randy, I'll also give you uh, 100 points for at least at least um, picking up the fact that Isla is a region. Um, uh, as Rob said. Um, it's it's actually an island right off of Scotland that's very famous for making peated whiskey, um, and that's kind of what it did. And then uh, and that's that that's kind of what their thing is. And then Molly, uh, Miss Whiskey Universe. Yes. 
Okay, so there's no, you're close. There's no Miss Whiskey Universe on Isla, but every year there's like there's like Pete Week, right? Yeah. So once a year, everybody kind of descends. Like all these people just descend on on Isla to like relieve it of its whiskey. They do their best, and it's the <laughs> show as you can possibly imagine. Um, so you get seventy five points for that, <laughs> and Marie, you get twenty five points. I'm sorry. Let's go. I'll take twenty five. Thank you. All right, our next question. Alcohol does evaporate from a whiskey barrel during the aging process. This evaporated alcohol is known as what? Molly, what's your answer? Um, It's known as um, um, the uh, allergy medicine that you use as a nasal inhaler. They actually recycle it and use it because of its medicinal properties. Now, when they say don't drive heavy machinery, like they they aren't joking about that. Don't operate the heavy machinery because whew, that whiskey evaporation is just gonna clear you out, but make you a little tipsy. All right, so allergy medicine inhaler. Randy, <laughs> what's, your, uh, what's your answer? It's funny because that's really close to what I was gonna say. Uh, it's actually... <laughs> Uh, it's spirit mist, I believe. Uh, and, uh, it is, it is a, it's an allergy thing, but it's, it's a nasal spray, spirit mm-hmm. mist. And it, you know, gets you a little bit drunk and clears you right up at the same time. All right. Alcohol-based nasal spray. I'm surprised that's actually not a thing. Marie, what do you have? Um, well, as we all know, here in 2020, we've been in a pandemic, and a lot of the um, distilleries around here have been um, resourcing some of their alcohol into hand sanitizer. And this is not a new thing. This has been done for ages. Back to this. Those small particles that have um, evaporated out are highly alcoholic, and they clean things just go with me, Bob. Just go with me. They cl- they use this to clean out the, the distillery after. And so it's like, it's bringing back to where it came from to clean it. It's resourcing. It's recycle, reduce, reuse, recycle. And recycle. All right. So it is alcoholic alcohol. Nate, what do you have? <laughs> uh, well, I mean... As everybody knows, uh, angels can't actually swallow beverages. They just have to put them in their mouth and spit them out. Um, what they can do is inhale them. So this is called uh, angel candy, mostly because it's uh, it's real life angel booger sugar. Um, and that's how the angels up above us that look over us, that's how they get their fix. They just hover over breweries or, or, or whiskey plantations or whatever they're called and um they inhale those vapors uh rick houses rick houses rick houses that's rick that houses. was my third guess i almost said it i'm so sorry i stopped so what <laughs> nate said was that the angels know the street value of that evaporated alcohol so molly had it was uh, the medicine in an inhaler you have a spirit mist nasal spray from randy hand sanitizer from marie and angel candy Angel nose candy from Nate. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this with that answer, but Nate was the closest. Oh my uh, God. It's actually <laughs> it's referred to as the angel's share. So, John, how would you like to score? <laughs> Holy cow. 
Wait, you must have known that though, right? Because you came up with Angel right off the bat. <laughs> I was like, oh, he knows it or whatever. And then if he I had no idea. I guarantee he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's so great. Sugar, sugar. Um, just to answer this, answer this question the longest po- possible way, um, angel share is oxidation in the bo- in the barrel. So um, there are two there are two processes happening in the barrel while whiskey is aging. Um, one of them is wood is wood to li- liquid ratio. So it's actually breathing in and out of the wood and out of the char in the wood to get the flavor, and then um, air is getting into that wood, um, which oxidizes that whiskey, um, and that helps that flavor that helps that flavor also. But um, condensation from the barrel because it's porous is what they call angel share, and they lose about three to five percent a year um, from wow. the barrel. Wow! Um, but ultimately, it's it, it's a fla- it, it helps for flavors, so you know it has its good points. Anyway, uh, hundred points for angel booger sugar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about the rest of them. we didn't really either (laughs) (laughs) clearly Um, (laughs) so (laughs) i don't know 25 points for everybody else 25 for everybody else there you go all right so our last question and four questions Love them or hate them, Rex and Daniel of the Whiskey Tribe try to make the world of whiskey more accessible. They also occasionally experiment with spirits. And this last question is about that. In a recent post, what did they do with whiskey? Randy, what's your answer? Uh, I I believe they recreated the, the Coca-Cola Mentos experiment, but using whiskey. And it failed miserably. And, and all it did was just make minty flavored whiskey that nobody wanted. All right. Creme de yuck. Marie, what do you have? Um, They did this test. It did not go over well. This was after they watched a recent um, uh, sitcom that's been on television that we all, most people know about, The Office. Michael Scott at one point goes to take a sip of whiskey and he asks for some Splenda. And so these brothers were like, okay, maybe the world wants Splenda in their whiskey. So they tried it. It did not go well. Don't put Splenda in your whiskey. All right. Ruining a good whiskey. Nate, what do you have? Um, They actually, uh, they had a term for this test, but I'm not going to mention it because this is not, uh, doesn't have good connotations, but they tried using it as a uh, fuel alternative. Uh, So they would put it into a car. They started with a Fiat um, and they put a whiskey in, into it uh, to use it as fuel. Um, surprisingly, it didn't work. <laughs> All right. That's, that is surprising since whiskey is flammable. Molly, what do you have? Well, they really wanted to make their whiskey last and they really wanted to keep that, you know, fuzzy buzz going throughout the day. So what they did is they did an experiment with microdosing whiskey. So they would each take just a little <laughs> bit, uh, every half hour or so, um, it turned out a little sloppy so at the end. Come come day no, come day three, things were looking hairy. So did it work? You be the judge. All right. So Molly with alcohol poisoning over a three-day 
<laughs> mini bender. So you have Randy with Coke and Mentos, uh, but with whiskey. You have Marie that she, uh, Splenda in the whiskey. You have Nate with a fuel alternative and you have Molly with microdosing. Those were four very answered answers. Uh, the actual answer was closest to Randy's. They put their whiskey through a soda stream and they carbonated it. Uh, so we actually have a link to that episode in the description. There you go. (laughs) Was it good? Um, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I gotta be honest with you. If I'm going to do that, I'm just, I'm just going to make a highball. So let's turn to the expert. John, have you had carbonated whiskey? Uh, first of all, I did not know that at all. I had no idea what the answer, what the answer was. Um, that sounds horrible, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I, you know, you have to try it. <laughs> it sounds horrible. It doesn't mean it is horrible. So if it works, it works. Um, to Rob's point, though, you could just put a little uh, club soda. Um, I like to do yep. maybe three to one or so um, yep. Yep. ratio uh, with that and like a nice long peel. You know, if you could do that of anything mm. citrus you like. Uh, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, like, I like lemon, but... Oh. Fancy. All I'm thinking of is, can you imagine wow. adding this, the bitterness, that sourness of carbon dioxide directly to the whiskey? Yeah, like, no, wow. it doesn't. It's going to mess up the congeners. There's no doubt about that. It's going to yeah. make everything big and round and filled with air. And I just can't imagine it would taste as delicious as a really nice, you made highball, you know. I, I'm going to try it at the break, so. <laughs> I'll let you know in about 10 minutes. It's a very simple drink, but if you just put a little crown of mint on top, you get kind of that olfactory hit as you drink it. It's a, it's it's really really nice. Uh, no sugar. So anyway, a real high ball. Is I really wish you were here to make us a drink. <laughs> <laughs> sounds so good. Here be in the description. Five other here's. Everybody wear a mask so we can drink more together. No doubt. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. So, um, because Randy got so close, and little did I, little did I know, we'll we'll give we'll give Randy hundred points for that. That was cool. Um, in yeah. my mind, the only thing in my mind, the only thing that was even remotely feasible of these um, was Nate's fuel um, idea. And I, I know a lot of distillers who started as people interested in changing um, what what's it called like eco fuel like changing spent mm-hmm. yeah. oil to uh, yeah. to to um, fix cars and stuff like that or, or to run cars and after doing that they realized that that is a terrible line of work and making whiskey is um, is a, is a lot uh, cleaner and nicer and better so um, for that you get a hundred points um, microdosing All whiskey right. seventy. 70- Five points just <laughs> for the very idea of it, and fifty points for Splenda. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Why not diet? diet <laughs> why not diet whiskey? <laughs> it's better than it's Ooh. better than um, than Soda Stream whiskey. <laughs> All right. So thanks, John. Here we go. Our points oh, I gave you are. Sorry about that. I'll, I'll make it up to you. It's all right. <laughs> Our points are in last place. We have myself with twenty-five. Oh, I Next, think I we have. Oh, <laughs> I don't need them. I'm fine with it. Next, we have Molly with two hundred. Ah, come on, John. <laughs> Marie with two hundred and seventy-five. Nate <gasps> with three hundred seventy-five in the lead. We have Randy with four hundred points. 
Wish a bay. Well done. Wish a bay. So, join us for a conversation with John, the author of The Modern Gentleman, the guide to the best food, drinks, and accessories when we return to Balderdash Academy. Go, Dashers. Get your angel booger <laughs> ready. Listening is cool and all, but watching gives you so much more. See the players' real-time reactions, flub-ups, and all the snark that intern Alan Smithy can dole out on the running commentary. Only at Balderdash Academy's YouTube channel. Welcome back to Balderdash Academy. Our points are in last place is myself with 25 points. Next, we have Molly with 200 we have Marie with 275, we have Nate with 375, and Randy with 400. <laughs> so Who knew? <laughs> who knew? We are here today with visiting professor John McCarthy. John's a 25-year publishing veteran who last served as the senior managing editor and spirits and cocktail pundit at Men's Health Magazine. Since leaving the magazine, John has traveled the world in search of intelligence about fine wine and spirits, amazing adventures, and incredible stories for publications like Roads and Kingdoms, uh, Forbes, Men's Health, Maxim, J.W. Marriott Magazine, Bourbon Plus, and Gear Patrol. John is also the director of judging for the Barleycorn Awards, an international spirit competition. The link to the society is in the description. He also is currently shamelessly, and we appreciate that he's doing it shamelessly, plugging his first book, The Modern Gentleman, The Guide to the Best Food, Drinks, and Accessories. Again, the link to the book is in the description. So when at home, he resides in Queens, and before COVID uh, blew the world up, or just blew the world, if that's what you're into, John was the whiskey director and bartender at the Rose Room at the Garden City Hotel. John, welcome to Balderdash Academy. Yay. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um, but before we started, we were talking about the, the Barleycorn Awards, and in particular... Uh, could you tell us a little bit about the Barleycorn Awards and the Barleycorn Society? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the Barleycorn Society is a um, is a compilation of spirits journalists like myself. And um, when we formed Barleycorn, which is a spirits competition, uh, spirits taste competition primarily, we also do marketing. But um, we wanted to uh, we wanted to create a competition. Uh, that kind of ran through the lens of the people who talk about um, these spirits and who have influence over these spirits all the time. Um, so that's really where we we got started with it. We've been at it. Uh, we're in our second year now, um, but we've been working on it for about four years or so. Or, or so. And um, it's doing really well. We just uh, we just uh, released our uh, medalists last week um, for the spring competition. Uh, we do this twi- twice a year. And I am actually drinking the winner right here, which is a Four Roses single barrel um, from uh, Kentucky. Beautiful bourbon. Cool. Right on to Four Roses. They did an excellent job. And uh, there you go, barley corn. Were were you part of the inception of the whole thing? Did you help create it? Uh, I was, yeah. Um, I helped create it through a guy who does award shows for a living. 
He does like marketing awards. He does the Marcom awards. He does the Hermes awards. He does these all, all these like kind of like uh, third party award programs that you may or may not have heard of, but do extremely well. And, um, He's also a whiskey geek and he wanted to get involved in booze. So through mutual friend, he was introduced to me and um, this is what we built together. So, so basically you knew a guy. That's right. I knew a guy. I got a rookie question. How did you come up with the name? Uh, with the name Barleycorn? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, to tell you the truth, the name of the bar, uh, the name Barleycorn came from, um, from my partner. Um, his name's Ed. Dalheim, and he felt very strongly about this name. Uh, barley corn, there's a lot of different connotation to it. It goes back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And if you think about um, barley and corn being um, obviously ingredients in whiskey, ingredients in, in spirits yeah. and stuff like that, there's the mm-hmm. symbolism. And in, in order for that uh, spirit to become a spirit, it needs to, um, it needs to go through a cycle of life. So it needs to grow, it needs to die, and then we distill it and resurrect it again. So there you have it. So it's like an exorcism. Like ghosts. It is. A little religious. <laughs> yeah. Religious. A little spiritual. Thank the Lord. That's right. Well, I mean, that does make sense, too. So, I mean, prior to the 15th century, the word corn referred to any grain, not what we think. That's of right. So, exactly right. Yeah. Now, we're living in an age of... A lot of drinking. A lot of drinking, <laughs> but in appreciation of, of spirits in general, and that I think probably started with the craft beer movement. We're seeing, we're seeing a lot yeah. more craft distilleries. Uh, we're seeing a lot more appreciation for whiskeys and for uh, for for liquor in general. Uh, we're even seeing, uh, if you move on to like the YouTube side, um, I mentioned Whiskey Tribe earlier. They're they're a group trying to make whiskey a little more accessible. You have Greg from How to Drink who's experimenting with old recipes with newer newer spirits trying to to elevate them or just experiment or remove the mystery around them now what do you think's driving that change from liquor as booze to liquor as something a little bit more fine and a little bit more refined interesting i thought you were i thought you were going to ask me what the hell i'm doing to move the ball forward after <laughs> oh god no no well yeah what no. are you doing <laughs> what the hell are you doing <laughs> well these guys are doing this <laughs> that's what i thought you were gonna that's what i thought you would say um you, all right so you touched on a couple of different things and there were a lot of different answers to this but i think that we can all agree that uh, Scotch whiskey, Scotch whiskey really started taking off and, and being interesting to people in the 90s um, in the event of, of single malt scotch as opposed to, to, to blends. Okay. And, that, you know, there was a lot of marketing behind bringing single malt to the United States or whatever. But we embraced that and, we, and we've had single malt with us now for, for 30 years, let's say, or, or close to yeah, it. Yeah. Now, a decade later in the, early two, in the early 2000s, a couple of things uh, really started to happen. Um, first of all, the trend started to shift toward people really enjoying whiskey more and becoming more involved in that. Uh, involved in that, um, a lot of it, to your point, comes out of the idea of craft beer. Comes out of the uh, food movement and the foodie movement um, of the early two thousands. All of that kind of stuff plays in. Um, fine wine obviously has has a lot to do with it. Um, but once that stuff, but once that stuff started to trend, a couple of different things happened. Um, everybody started buying everything, especially in the United States in terms of bourbon that anybody in Kentucky makes because it got hot. And it also mm. sparked a, a craft distilling movement um, in this country, which really just 
just kind of got started around 2004 and is still in some some form of infancy to the to, to this day and a lot of that came came from the food culture the idea that local sustainable will make better the beer culture you know beer um 95 percent of beer back in the day was owned by, by by five companies and it wasn't very good and they couldn't do it well so uh with craft beer it did you know um we had that whole revolution and everything else and um people felt like like distillation was the next shoe to drop. And um, in 2004, there were 60 distillers outside of like the big guys, the seven big guys in Kentucky and all that. And today there's like 1500 different distilleries wow. in this country. So yeah. it's, wow. Really, wow. it's really grown quite a bit. Um, and the booze that they make has gotten a lot better too. Um, so the whiskey um, scene that, that, that we grew up with um, coming into uh, the space as we were coming of age um, will look a lot different than an 11 year old right now. He'll be coming into the space in 10 years based on what yeah. a lot of these craft yeah. are doing. Um, yeah. you know, bringing forward new categories like American single malt, making rye whiskey, which right. nobody was drinking right. 10 years ago. Now rye whiskey is a huge category that's growing yeah. every yeah. year. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, um, what starts from a trend, there are so many different, angles to look at why whiskey got hot um but once it did uh people really got enchanted with it i i've been drinking for approximately 12 years now um and i was very fortunate Legally for 10. my dad Wait, i started drinking <laughs> <laughs> um, well, when I was when I legally came of age, my dad was like, "It's very important that you know how to drink good, good. You need to drink well." And so he taught. Like I started drinking whiskey with my dad, like right when I turned twenty one. Um, and I find that like a lot of my girlfriends are kind of afraid of whiskey. Um, and I and I I'm like, you know, it's, it's wonderful. However, as somebody who um, knows a lot of whiskey, and over the past few years, it's even blown up even further further um what would be a good whiskey to start somebody off with like if they've never really had a taste for whiskey before but like kind of want to get into it and like something easier to drink that you know I, what would you suggest to get somebody to like whiskey something really well you know um it it takes a little while like to me it's like you have to break through a yeah, barrier yeah. to start to kind of get it yeah. you know what i mean and to yeah. do that you want to you, you want to go in with you want to go in through familiar territory okay so you yeah. want something you know maybe you want something that's light maybe you want something um you know that's approachable that will have some undertones to it that will be something that you're used to drinking and um I'm going to give you two two kind of I'm going to give it two answers they both might be surprised Great. the first one <laughs> <laughs> the, the first one would be uh, a Canadian whiskey. And I would say like a Crown Royal or something like that is an excellent, okay. excellent beginner whiskey. And the reason for that is what they, the way they make that whiskey is basically they start with almost a vodka. So they make a, basically a vodka or very, very close to a vodka. So it has that real neutral grain kind of, kind of light yep. um, backbone to it, as opposed to like a much heavier bourbon or something like that. And yeah. then they'll age that, they'll age that very highly proof spirit that's close to a bourbon in a barrel and then kind of spike it up with like rye flavor and, and wheat flavor and stuff like that to get it to their flavor profile. But the backbone of it is very light. So it's an approachable whiskey. Crown Royal would be my first. Um, yes. Wow. And See, first I wouldn't have even thought of that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus you get the little purple bag. <laughs> and yeah, it is really cute. Bag. I right. used to keep changing it. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm a gamer. I have I have still have three bags of that filled with dice. So, <laughs> <laughs> so earlier um, you, you joked about, so what did you do to advance that? And it's a good question. Tell us about your yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and other published. segues. Which one, the one I wrote or the one I'm writing now? The, um, this one. Both! Yeah, The Modern Gentleman. Tell us about it. Yeah, no problem, man. The Modern Gentleman um, is not just a booze book. The Modern Gentleman was written, it's really written for anybody who's who's interested in knowing a little bit more about the stuff that we eat and we drink and we consume and we enjoy every day. And I am of the I am of the mind that if you know more about the stuff that you're enjoying yeah. and more about the stuff that you're that you're eating and drinking, you're going to enjoy it more. Totally. Okay. So yeah. um when I was you know, I, I joke in the book that when I was 32, I was still drinking wine out of a box. And that's true. Um, I, I didn't know the difference between a Merlot and a Cabernet and a this and a that. And I, you know, I didn't care. But but now that, that I do know, I wish I did know then and I wish I did care. So that's what this book is. So I take about 15 different topics from cigars to hot sauce to cheese to um, rum, cocktails, uh, whiskey, uh, wine, beer, all that type of stuff. And I just try to give you an entry point into those categories and help you understand them a little better. Awesome. And give you a place where you can jump off and, and go further into it if you want to. So it's really written for younger people, but it's, it's good for anybody. If I don't want to be a gentleman, can I just be a modern lady, but know all that stuff too? <laughs> yeah, you can, you know, <laughs> I, I, I hate that the, the, the name of the book is so, um, uh, uninviting to so many people because really it's, I love cool. it. It's for everybody. It's written for everybody. It's supposed to be really fun. I hope it's not like an encyclopedia. It's just like, like, hey, you know, you need to pick up cigars. Here's how to, and you don't know anything about them. Neither yeah. did I. So, That's super here's useful. The, here's how to yeah. find Absolutely. one. Like an idiot. It's about so making it accessible. And there's so little out there right now. I mean, you could go to Reddit and then you drown in Reddit boards. Everybody has their own opinion. It's it's difficult to find a resource that allows you the information to build your own opinion about what you need to do to develop your own palate. So, John, what's your new book about? Uh, my new book is called is going to be well, the working title is Whiskey Rebels, and it's funny because it's very similar to what I was just talking about earlier. Um, it's literally, and it's why I know so much about this stuff, but it's literally a recent <laughs> history of, um, of American craft whiskey. And I mean, really recent history. Um, in 2000, like I was saying before, in 2004 or so, um, these guys, you know, there, there were maybe 60 distilleries in the United States or something like that. And all these guys came in and just started asking questions and bucking trends and saying, well, well why can't, why can't we uh, make uh, bourbon in New York, for example? Why can't we make rye in Maryland where rye is actually from? Why can't we do that? And the reasons were never good ones. They were just never fixed from prohibition, you know? And, yeah. um, and it really took a while before before people could could get into the idea of doing it. And then they had to compete with these big with these big companies, which everybody was really intimidated to do. So it took a long time to get it uh, to get it going. But the guys who did are the guys that I'm talking about. These are my mm. whiskey rebels, as I call them. And yeah. uh, these are the guys um, who started distilleries who have really made a difference um, coming out of this crafts craft revolution, as I'll call it, um, over the last 15 years. Um, Westward whiskey would be one would be one of them. Uh, definitely uh, Tuttletown here in New York would be one of them. Yeah. Uh, Stranahan's in Colorado, Balcones in Texas, Corsair in Nashville. 
um, Sagamore in Maryland. I mean, they're all over the they're all over the country, and they're yeah. amazing entrepreneurs who have um, really uh, broken down every convention and have faced a massive corporate beast um, mm. to get a seat at the table um, for whiskey, and they actually made it happen. And then all of a sudden, started yeah. getting started getting purchased by by these huge companies and becoming millionaires and stuff like that. Right. It all happened. So that's that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to talk about. Yeah, must read for anyone who likes whiskey. Talk about a risk though. I mean, you're talking about an industry where yeah, well your your uh your product, you're looking at 12 to 18 years before you have a usable product in the whiskey world, which means you basically need to find your way making a profit on blends, right? Uh, prior to, to having your own product line. I mean, unless environmental factors are in play and you're in a hotter state like Texas or, sure. well, America, or um, in, in America, you're not, you're not typically going to go that long and the crafts don't go that long. You know what I mean? They, yeah. Yeah. They, okay. uh, they do everything that they can do. They try to, they try to age whiskey in smaller barrels uh, to various degrees of success, <laughs> you know, but, but to your point, it takes, regardless, it takes years to get it going. Yeah. You need a lot of money. So what do you do? Like, what do you do? You make whiskey and you put it on a, you put it in a rickhouse, you put it in a warehouse and you wait for years before you can sell it. So people do other things. They either sell it as white dog or moonshine. Like that's a very common thing. Yep, yep. They'll make vodka, you know, and they'll, and they'll make a white neutral spirit that they can get on the store shelf right away while that whiskey ages. Um, another uh, thing that, that producers will do is source whiskey while they're building a distillery, getting their uh, juice laid down in barrels and aged. So they'll purchase uh, whiskey, get it into their flavor profile. Um, that's somewhat frowned upon in, in, <laughs> in the industry, but, <laughs> but it happens and it's not that frowned upon. Yeah. Again, who has, the, who has pockets deep enough to wait all those years to right. make any back on right. your whiskey? And what if, what if you age it out and it, and it never turns? It isn't that good. Like, uh, you're, yeah. you're in a little bit of trouble. So unless there's really deep pockets, Nobody's able to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, well, I think this would make a really good Christmas present to three different people in my family. So <laughs> you just let me know when this book is ready to buy because I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> just buy them for me and I'll sign them for you. <laughs> All right, perfect. <laughs> Done. All right, Nate, what were you going to say? Now, now you, um, you've written for many different magazines uh, over the years. Do you, so this is a two-parter question. Do you feel like that brought you to uh, these two books that one that you have written, one that you are writing? Um, And like, how has your style of writing for magazines kind of influenced these books? Uh, And my second question is, have you ever thought about writing for highlights or Ranger Rick? (laughs) 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 So, is that make it more interesting? Highlights still around. Ranger Rick, I can't speak to. Uh, <laughs> highlights is uh, I'm aware of that publication. I know them very well. Uh, but I don't know them very well. But I did apply for for, high, for Highlights once. Um, did you? At one, oh, that's awesome! At one point in my career when I was out of work. But it was one of those, like, <laughs> it was one of those, I, I don't know. I was like, yeah, I play guitar and I, like, drink whiskey. And it was one of those yeah. kind of. I mean, you can do like a pre-wine, like this is a really good grape juice type of thing. 
<laughs> like take me for what I am, or or, yeah. or I'm not going to get along over here in Iowa. Right. <laughs> available, <laughs> but this is what you're going to get. Oh my god, that's great. <laughs> As an illustrator, my dream was hidden pictures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a it's it's a really well put together magazine, and you know that's funny. One of the things that drew me to it is in most of my career, to answer your question, I was actually uh, more in magazine management, uh, production design oh. um stuff like that for uh and but you know it ended up management toward the toward the end of my end of my career um so i was doing a lot of graphic design a lot of uh, i was the production director of several magazines um throughout new york city um all through the 90s and, and 2000s uh, when I ended up at Men's Health Magazine, uh, that was 2006. That is really when I started writing um, a little mm. bit. And when I was writing for that magazine, it was great for me because I was surrounded. I was the managing editor of the magazine, so I, I was also able to tell everybody what to do. So I had a, um, I had an amazing group of talented people around me, editors and copy editors and a fact-checking department. I mean, ridiculous, you know, um, for anybody to start, you know, just to kind of start getting into it. Um, and I had, you know, real food journalists around me and stuff like that. And that's what I, so I started writing for men at Men's Health. I started writing food and I am not a vegetarian, but I'm like a pescatarian. And mm, I realized yeah. very soon into, um, into writing about food, uh, that I was going to hit a ceiling real quick. Uh, first of all, it was a saturated market. Second of all, I didn't eat so many things that I couldn't yeah. really do it. But then I realized that, like, you know, I drank everything. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this was, like, 2010 or so, and, like, the whole the whole cocktail scene was starting to happen, and I was very aware of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, then the booze scene was starting to kick up, and I was I was becoming very aware of that yeah. too. So that's when I started um, switching from food to booze, and it all started with a little tequila article that I wrote. And the next thing you know, I got invited to Mexico, and I'm like, oh shit, I think I'm onto something here. Yeah, heck yeah! It always starts with a little tequila. It does. George Clooney invited you, didn't he? Yeah. So, so, so just the last part of your question, I'm sorry to keep going, but um, Men's, uh, Men's oh. Health had a book division as well. And one of the book editors there was a very dear friend of mine. So after I left Men's Health, um, he went on to work. He was laid off as well. We all were. So he, he was laid off as well and went on to uh, work for another publisher uh, called Duo Press. And Duo Press was a children's book publisher who was trying to build a young adult in an adult category. Uh, so they had a bunch of ideas and, and a bunch of uh, books that they wanted written. And he turned to me and that's where we hatched The Modern Gentleman. And that's how I came to writing that book. Um, and after that experience, we, uh, the publisher and I just decided to keep working together. And that's, that's where he uh, greenlit to publish uh, Whiskey Rebels for me, which I'm working on now. That's, that's awesome. awesome. So you had a failed career as a salad reviewer, and that's okay. We all have ups and downs. But as as the as the whiskey sommelier at the uh, Rose Room, yeah, and you obviously know your way around a cocktail. What's your favorite? What's your favorite? Ooh, Let's close this yeah. out. Let's close this out with a John McCarthy recipe. I bet it's an apple teeny. <laughs> <laughs> You read my book, I'll talk about how much I hate talking about my favorite 
anything because because it's like, <laughs> it's like having a favorite song you know at one point right. you know, if you're in a certain mood you want to hear a certain song and in that moment that's your favorite right and and if you're okay let me rephrase no no, no I'll, all right go ahead what's the what's a cocktail you would make for guests coming over what's your go-to uh let's see what time of year is it no um <laughs> No, that's true. All that stuff. No, absolutely. Cool. If you were coming yeah, yeah. over December if, when this comes out. Yeah, if you were coming <laughs> in the summertime, <laughs> I would do something like a watermelon aid with a, with a little bit of vodka topped with bubbles or something like that, or really cool yeah. like that. But in the wintertime or whatever, and friends are coming over, and we're like, um, I like whiskey, you know. So I would probably just do an old fashioned. I love classic drinks. Yeah, I, I love uh, Manhattans. I think they're delicious cocktails. It's all about the ingredients and the right ingredients, but they're very yeah. simple to make. So. That's that. That's what I really focus on. But I can make anything. <laughs> nice. I'm Thank coming you. over soon. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, take that's some great. time, muddle your cherries for your drink, enjoy, and have a sip for us. When we come back, we're gonna have our steam pop quiz and lie, lie again. Only on Balderdash Academy. Go Dashers! Welcome back to Balderdash Academy. Our points are, I am in last place with 25 points. Next, we have Molly with 200. Marie with 275. Nate with 375. And Randy with 400. It is still anybody's game. And it is now time for our second pop quiz. This pop quiz is from the head of Steam... Professor Nate Green. Nate, what do you have for us? All right. Thank you guys for coming back. You're welcome. Uh, sorry, I had, had a little uh, Kirk and Tonic or whatever it was. Where's your bill? Where's your bill? Kirk and Bill. Uh, so there was a time when the bubonic plague had an outbreak during the mid 19 uh, not 1960s, but the 1600s, uh, and it kind of <laughs> hit. Uh, it hit Germany, Italy, Moscow, you know. Um, and uh, so when it hit Italy, they had to. Well, all of those places, but I'm talking about Italy here. Um, they had to do some social distancing. Um, and now, sit down for this. There was no Uber Eats. There was no Grubhub. There was no two dine in or any delivery food delivery services like that. Um, so the residents of Florence, Italy needed their booze and they needed a way to get it um, while socially distancing. Uh, so here's my question. What did they do during this outbreak in order to help them get their liquor, which mm. is now the same thing they're kind of revitalizing today in Italy and using for the same reason? Now that that's kind of mulled over for a bit, let's start. Well, we never start with Bob. Let's start with Bob. Sure. I, you know, I, I recently read the article all about this on the streets of Venice, I believe, or it might have been Milan. Um, and I thought it was ingenious bringing back technology uh, from the Middle Ages, technology that we forgot uh, after World War One, and that's the booze pigeon. So what they do is they would take tiny little flasks and tape them, tie them, ribbons, whatever, to a pigeon's legs. 
and send them to the recipient. And this was good in the Middle Ages for two reasons. Not only did you get your liquor, but you also got dinner delivered. Some assembly required. No! (laughs) It's squab. We've all had squab. Come on. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) They only had enough money for a one-way ticket. Uh, Molly. (laughs) One way. I am so glad you just called on me because I definitely know what an answer would be. Um, Oh, good. You know, (laughs) yeah. uh, You know, back then, um, one of the great advances of technology was the the creation of the Vespa, Um, you know, really popular in Italy, um, birthplace of the Vespa. And mm-hmm. so um, the bubonic plan gave a lot of time for people to tinker around. And so there you have it. You have the Vespa. So socially distance, one rider per Vespa, little basket in the front, everyone being, bring out your drinking. And they'd all come out, but it'd be in Italian, of course. And uh, yeah. they would, they'd all come out and then just basket and, and toss, basket and toss, basket and toss. And it was, and then they'd have a, a lovely charcuterie board. <laughs> did, was that a did, was that a charcuterie board? Is that what that was? I, so, yeah. Okay. Was, All right. Yeah. So we have charcuterie, high class lunch and wine. Charcuterie. Uh, Randy, how how um how did they get their liquor during uh, the socially distanced uh, bubonic plague? Well, uh, you know, these days we use cell phone technology and, you know, you have cells all over the place and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whatever cell you're closest to is the cell that your your phone is being serviced by. Uh, and back in the day, you know, way back in the day. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. They actually borrowed some technology from the French uh, and they had a series of trebuchets set up in a cell fashion <laughs> so they could point. And it was on like a turnstile, like a like a uh, railroad turnstile. And they could turn it 360 degrees yeah. and say, oh, uh, Antonio is, you know, 100 yards that way. Or maybe he's 100 miles that way, or 100 kilometers mm-hmm. that way. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and they it's 100. a series of, you know, they'd, they'd put the barrel in and, uh, you know, they'd wrap it in a little bit of burlap to try to protect it, but didn't really do much. Uh, and uh, they would just <laughs> launch it. And, you know, they had a little note on it saying, hey, send this to Antonio. Uh, mm. and, uh, they would just launch and launch and launch and then finally get there. Nice. Antonio, so medieval, such a lush. Medieval, uh, t-shirt cannon full of booze. I like it. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And, uh, Marie, what, uh, what's yeah. your story that you're going to stick to? Uh, well, when I was 15, my aunt got married in Las Vegas at the Venetian hotel. So I know a lot about Italy. Um, oh, yeah. and at this wedding, <laughs> Uh, my aunt took a gondola ride and the gondolas were how people maintained the distance. They would just tell the gondola guy the day before what they wanted the next day. Gondola guy would come by, drop their booze, be on his way. No touch, no, no socially distanced, easy. They, the, the, the requesters of the booze would leave their money on the end of the dock the guy would drop the booze and take the money and on to the next stop. Gondola so guys. Through the rivers of Florence, Italy, we have yes. gondola ice cream truck uh, alcohol yes. wagons. Got it. Um, yes. 
All right. So we have, uh, I'm going to go backwards because the last ones are the easiest to remember. And I didn't write them down. <laughs> we have uh, alcoholic gondolas, gondola guys. Uh, gondola guys. Uh, that was their, they had a nice graphic there, gondola guys with mm-hmm. a cup of wine. Um, <laughs> then we have the medieval t-shirt cannon full of booze going to uh, multiple people named Antonio. Um, that was Randy. Molly, we have, uh, this is where it gets harder to remember. We have the Vespa scooters, which were, of course, created in the 1600s in Italy. Um, <laughs> the one good thing to come out of the plague. The one good thing. Yes. And then we have uh, Dash and Dine with Bob's uh, pigeon-carried booze that you can then mm. eat. eat the pigeon. <laughs> eat. Um, so all of those are correct answers is not what I'm going to say right now. Um, but they are answers. Uh, and, uh, so how would you like to score this before I kind of let the cat out of the bag here? All right, let's see. Um, booze cannon or booze pigeon? I like them both a lot. So we're going to go with a hundred points on each of those. Uh, the Vespa toss is awesome, especially way, way back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, just to be a jerk, a charcuterie board would be French, uh, an Italian. Uh, <laughs> it was an alliance. It was an alliance. A collection of dried meats would be called a salumi board. <laughs> That's what I said. A salumi board. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we'll give Molly 100 points. Too. Oh, <laughs> all right. Right. And another 100 points for Marie for her gondola Uber. Whoa, 100 all around. <laughs> nice. All around. Hot dang. Nice done, yeah. That was fun. So they don't really drink booze in Italy. It's all wine. Like, seriously. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's what they had. They had uh, wine windows. Uh, they were actually cut out holes in the walls of um, at uh, at vineyards and, and uh, different places within Florence. Um, and then they kind of etched them out. We'll put pictures in. But um, <laughs> yeah, and, and it made them really nice. So that way, and it was about the size yeah, thank you, Alan. They were about the size of a uh, wine glass. So it's just a hand that can come out and hand you that. Um, and uh, it was kind of like the first type of drive throughs that you could use on your Vespa scooters while munching on a pigeon burger. Yep. <laughs> your, your 17th century Vespas? Yes. So, yeah. Best thing it was to like out uh, the, the Flintstones type of thing, you know? That's right. That's exactly That makes a right. lot of sense. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. So it is... Time for our 30 seconds or less question. John, we are known for hard-hitting questions here. I hope you're ready. Our our next 30 seconds or less question is... Would you rather have invisibility or flight? Invisibility or the ability to fly? Like a pigeon. I am going to go with flight. Absolutely. Um, Light. It's just something a little creepy and sneaky about the invisible guy who wants to be invisible. Seriously, right? Yeah. <laughs> Besides, you can fly. You can just get the f*** out of there. Like, yeah. That's true. That's, that's like one of those questions that's a Rorschach test, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see what you want to see in it, right? Oh, absolutely. So, I, lo- I love birds and, yeah, flight all the way. Yeah, yeah cool. I'm right there with you. So our next game is Lie, Lie Again. So in this game, I will read a weird or unusual fact about a member of the faculty. This statement can be true 
or it can be a lie. Um, our faculty doesn't know whether or not they're the ones I'm going to call on, so this will be no, fun. No. As you know, from previous episodes, our visiting professor and fellow faculty members may question the subject to see if what they're saying is the truth or a lie. They can ask questions to try to figure that out. Either way, the subject must convince everyone that the unusual fact is true, no matter how absurd it sounds. Now, for those watching from the beginning of this series, you've seen truths and lies from Molly, from Marie, from Nate, from Steve, and from Carla Rose. But what you haven't seen is one from Randy. So, our own Randy Hunt is known for many things. He's a playwright, he's an actor, he's an improviser with Comedy Sports Maine, he's a ukulele musician, and he's the creator and host of the podcast We All Have a Story. Link is in the description. What a lot of people don't know is that he's also a roller derby ref known as Carrie the Whistle. And this is where our story begins. <laughs> While at a derby, a skater went off the track, and she was so intent of coming on as fast as she can, she did not pay attention. And she hit Randy so hard, he banana peeled, hit his butt hard on the floor, and in the process, chipped a tooth on his whistle. Isn't that right, Randy? It's absolutely true. All right. So who has our first question for Randy? Randy, um, would you ever lie to me? (laughs) (laughs) Just wondering how our relationship is. Damn it. See, you're truthful. (laughs) Were, um, was it for... The Calamity Janes or the Port Authorities that you were refing for? Uh, it was for uh, the Port Authorities. The travel team. Randy, how did yep. you come up with the name Carries a Whistle? Because I totally love it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, everybody, most people in roller derby, uh, the skaters and the officials come up with a derby name. And usually it is some play on words. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I had a really bad first name and i like ditched that and we're not going to talk about that Uh, i i uh i made a list of a whole bunch of really funny names and that was the one that i liked best because some people don't get it at first and then you know like like six months later they'd be like oh i get it now Randy, can you can you work through the the whole co- collision for us? Can you just run down how that happened? Mm. Yeah, so she had been um, sent off to the penalty box uh, for a high block. She had um, hit somebody in the head, which you can't do in roller derby. Uh, so she had to go sit in the penalty box for 30 seconds. And uh, she was really mad at herself because... Uh, skaters don't like getting penalties. They can only get seven before they're out of the game. Uh, oh. And she uh, came back in. She was just so flustered, I think. And I was uh, one of the officials on the outside. So the skating officials, uh, there's generally uh, two, four skating officials on the inside of the track and uh, three on the outside of the track. And I was the rearmost um, skating official on the outside of the track. And she just came running in and or skating in. And <laughs> she 
wasn't looking and I came to a quick stop and then she came into a, a quick stop too because she hit me and then I went down uh, and I hit the the uh, the railing on the side because at Happy Wheels there's a, a little railing on the side yeah. and uh, it you can it's that front tooth right there it's a little it's a teeny teeny tiny chip uh, but so you didn't get it I, fixed. I, I didn't have to get it fixed. it's just it's it's a teeny tiny chip. Now, did your dentist ever say anything about it? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> you might want to get a new dentist then. <laughs> kind of, you kind of pay them to point out that stuff. I'm just. All right. Uh, who has another question for Randy? I'm. I. I know that a lot of roller derby bouters have um, like superstitions they have to not wear like wash their socks or anything like that as a ref i know you're nodding because you know it's gross and true um do you (laughs) do you have any weird things that you do as a ref like do you need to get bowled over now every single game or bout or um Uh, i i really prefer not to uh (laughs) i i up until that point i'd had a really good uh, uh record of not falling uh, I've mm-hmm. been wrecking for almost, it's been five years, uh, and I've only wow. fallen uh, three times on my own and uh, two times not on my own, and that uh-huh. was one of them. Uh, and yeah. it's much worse when you're not expecting it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So you don't have but any no, weird superstitions? But, but no, no superstitions, no. Okay. Any other questions for Randy? All right, so... You've heard the story. Now let's hear your conclusions. Marie, what do you think? Is Randy telling the truth I, or is this a lie? I do think that he is telling the truth. Um, I have enjoyed a few different roller derby bouts here in the Portland area, and they do get like pretty intense. And so the idea of somebody sliding right into Randy and bowling him right over does not seem out of the realm of possibility. I think he is telling the truth. All right, Nate, what's your call? Uh, I knew it was truth right off the bat because he answered my first question truthfully with, by saying that he might lie to me at some point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so by him not being in, uncommittal, in committal, he he's not true. <laughs> Did yeah. Non-committal. Divorce. All right. What? All right. So we should be committed is what you're saying. Yes. Molly, what's your answer? Is it truth or is it a lie? Uh, I believe it's true. It sounds like a legit thing that would happen, and I like his name, so I feel like it happened. I feel like he's honest. He ran down that whole the whole encounter very like a lot of details in it. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go truth. He showed us. All right, his John. What's your call? Is it the truth or is he telling a lie? So bad. Want to say he's telling a lie because everybody else said it was true. Right. <laughs> But to Molly's point, the level of detail that, that kind of went into that story and the, the, um, the ease and lack of, of searching makes me think he's telling the truth. All right. So we have four truths across the board. Randy, what's the story? <laughs> it was a lie! You got I feel so violated. I've fallen three I feel times so in five years, uh, and it, I've never been hit over. Nobody's ever hit me. Oh, well, awesome, done. <laughs> I'm right, not going to sleep well tonight. Liar! How would you like to score this? 
Nate, I can't score you very high because you really, you really thought you had, you had him and you didn't. So for that reason, yeah. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd take away five points for me. Please don't, but you know, we'll give you 25 for trying to, for trying to sleuth it out. Thanks. 25 for sleuthing. That's right. We'll get, we'll give Molly 50 points for going after the details, which is what, which is what sold me on, on it also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know, um, Maria. I, I, honestly, I don't remember what you said. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, okay. it's okay. I tried to write. I, I went first. And I, was, I led you all astray because I was so certain that it was true. Because I've seen oh, Randy right. Ref before, right. actually. Yeah, you were like oh, you a. Have. You were like a spy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right, no points for you. <laughs> I, led I led you all. No astray. points for you. <laughs> all right. I'm starting to understand this game a little bit. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Um, Give me some points if you'd like. <laughs> uh, any points yeah. for Randy? He did. He did but Randy is in the lead. Shush up. I know. Randy has a sizable lead. <laughs> oh, dear. Goodness gracious. <laughs> All right. So here's our points. That's the end of the first half, and our points are. I am in last place with 125 points. Next, Molly is at 350. Marie's at 375. Nate's at 400. Randy has a solid lead at 500 points. (laughs) Speaking of Randy, join us when we return with Randy's computer technology quiz and mask charades only on Balderdash Academy. Go Dashers! We All Have a Story is a podcast dedicated to learning more about the folks around us, one person at a time. We'll chat with accountants, bus drivers, entertainers, novelists, beekeepers, piano tuners, booksellers, artists, and more. Check out We All Have a Story using your favorite podcast app or service. Welcome back to Balderdash Academy. Our points are... I am in last place with 125 points. Molly is next with 350. Marie with 375. Nate with 400. And Randy with 500 points. Up with that. (laughs) Hey, it's now time for Professor Randy Hunt with Computer Technology Pop Quiz. Randy, what do you have for us? Hey, everybody. Uh, you know, the, uh, the folks over at MIT, you know, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, they're a, they're a pretty, pretty smart group of people. Uh, and back in 2012, they built a computerized system that could detect fake something. What fake something could this system detect? Marie, since you know, uh, why don't you start? Yeah, I do know. Um, 
Social media started in the early 2000s, and at first you only had to have a college email address. Uh, and then, like, parents started being on Facebook, and then you didn't have, you could have any old email, and then suddenly you could have any old picture, and there was no verification. You started getting randos posing as real people, and MIT was like, no, 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 no. We are going to develop software to weed out all of those fakers and you are no longer allowed to have social media profiles. So they created programming to um, weed out the, um, the fakers. Fake social media, fake Good email, answer. all of it. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Great. Uh, Nate, what do you got? Uh, they, they wanted to weed out fake uh, emoji or emo- or, emo- or emoticon usage um they were really tired of sending something you know think sarcasm can't it's really hard to communicate sarcasm over text so yes you know you say something and somebody's like oh i love that when you know they didn't really read it they didn't understand it was sarcasm so it was a fake uh thing and uh it can automatically detect that and there has been a lot of um issues in my family because of it (laughs) (laughs) all right nate with fake emotions molly what do you got um so everyone knows that the scientists at mit love to go on weekend getaways to new york city but what always ticked them off was they would come back with either gifts or purchases for themselves of faux designer handbags john you can relate every corner so What they did was they developed the software that they would use when they go to the kiosk on the corner of the street and they would say, is this Chanel or is it Chanel? And they actually helped a whole group of purchasers, um, women looking to up their game and men looking to buy a gift for their loved ones or women trying to buy a gift for their loved ones. And what they did was they saved people of wasted faux handbag money. <laughs> wow. Great. Uh, faux handbags. Uh, Bob, what do you got? Well, I, I actually know this. Uh, living in Mass and uh, working in Boston, going to, at that time period, I was uh, getting my degree in graphic design in Boston. And uh, I had a lot of friends who went to MIT. Um, there's one thing that was that was in common with all of them. Number one, they were brilliant. And number two, they were bored. And I remember hearing about the story. They're sitting on the green. They're looking at the MIT dome. And inspired by the dome, they created the Siliconator, a device to detect fake boobs. <laughs> What's is that a hands-off system? <laughs> just, just curious. Well... It started hands-off. They tried oh, to make it hands-on, but the resulting lawsuits would have shut them down. Yeah, yeah. Bankrupted them. I mean, I was, I was talking about the computer being hands-on, not, not somebody. What's the... Uh, the the, <laughs> the <laughs> Siliconator. The Siliconator. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Soft top tops. Oh, Soft <laughs> All right, so... Uh, we had Marie with uh, uh, a computer that could detect fake social media 
things, accounts, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, <laughs> Nate uh, pointing out fake fake uh, digital emotions, emoticons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Molly with fake handbags, which I think is genius, and somebody should actually mm. do that. Um, maybe they else. did on this. <laughs> Who knows? Pretty sure. And Bob, Bob um, um, the, the fake boobinator, the, sil- the siliconator. Siliconator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It both uh, goes by both names. Yeah, yeah. don't make it John, crass. John, you've heard some really yeah. clever answers here. Uh, do you, do you think any of them are right? And uh, if you would like to assign points, this would be a great time to do so. All right, I think we'll do that. Um, uh, I'm going to give Nate 150 points just because um, emoticon issues are rampant in my family as well, and uh, <laughs> I feel <laughs> I, I feel for him. Um, I get it. We just bump. That's right. We can talk after this. There we go. If you want. <laughs> talk it out. Yeah. Over some whiskey. Um, Marie, you get 200 points because you busted that out right off the bat, and it actually sounded uh, plausible. MIT um, could do it. <laughs> that's right. Um, I can't. Zuckerberg can't. points for her very, very touching um, story about real problems that, that, we, that we have and that, and that visitors to my, to my fair city have. So you get a you get a lot of points uh, for that one. I'm gonna get in trouble. Did you say two hundred and fifty? I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, but Bob, most of us can spot fake boobs from. Saying <laughs> <laughs> we don't really need. Just, just a little, you can uh, you you know you know. I know. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So John, how many did you give Molly? One fifty. <laughs> one fifty. Yeah. All right. And Bob, All right. 50 points for your uh, Siliconator because it's a funny name. That's... <laughs> hey, what can I say? <laughs> Randy, what, what's the real answer? I was wondering if I you'd know. ask. Uh, so they, <laughs> they designed a system that could tell a fake smile from a real smile. Oh. And specifically a happy smile versus a frustrated smile. So... They would uh, test these subjects by uh, in asking them to show frustrate a frustrated smile because sometimes when you're frustrated you're like, <laughs> you know, and they smile. It's fine, I'm uh, fine. fine. How I feel right now. So they tested them to <laughs> my uh, to induce frustration intentionally, and uh, and then compared it with their real smile, and they came up with this system Jerks. that they could detect the difference between the two. <laughs> so I was close. Awesome. A word right. emotions. Invention. Yeah. All right. So our points right now in last place is myself with 175 points. Next, we have a tie between Molly and Randy, each with 500. We have Nate with 550, which means Marie. Good thing your internet stabilized because you will be doing our mask charade. Oh God. <laughs> All right. Wait, who's okay. who's winning? I'm curious. <laughs> Marie, are, how many how many points winning. do you have? Marie is winning by 25 points at 575. Whoa! You got it's this time thing. for our 30 seconds or less question, John. What's the one thing you wish you had known? When you began your career, what is the one thing that I wish I had known before I? Uh, Besides me, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think this came up before, but I would probably say to, to, to put a lot of stock in uh, the people that you know and the people around you, uh, rather than trying to come up with um, front door ways to get places. Um, uh, contacts are everything in yeah, yeah. any business yeah, yeah. I've ever been involved in, and any great opportunity I've ever had came from somebody I know, not from somebody I met for the first time. So there is my answer. It's the guy who knew a guy. It's the guy who knew the a guy. guy. Knew a guy. And and be generous. Be generous of yourself, and you know, hopefully that comes. Hopefully that comes back to you as well. Um, yeah. Um, Solid advice. There's my answer. Yeah, that's a fantastic answer. So, our next game is called Mask Charade. So, John sent his favorite movie to Marie. Marie will then play a game of charades with one uh, with uh, that movie. As the topic, the rest of the faculty would don blindfolds and try to guess the name of the movie based on my poor description of Marie's charades or charades if you are in England. So, or in Marie, Italy. Are you ready? Or Italy? In Europe? the canals of Florence. <laughs> yeah. So, if you use the metric system, this is mask charades. <laughs> All right. All right. Blindfolds are on. Marie is ready. You may begin. <clears throat> it's a movie. <laughs> two syllables, two words. Schindler's First List. Word, she. No. <laughs> uh, she... All right. She's setting the scene. She's looking. She's fixing her hair. She's adjusting her eyebrows. She's lighting a cigarette. Little women. She's smoking. She's Pulp far fiction. away and climbing oh, on yeah, something. Pulp fiction. Pulp fiction. Pulp fiction. Pulp fiction. Nice. Pulp fiction. Nice. <laughs> I'm like, if it's right. smoking, it's got to be Quentin Tarantino. Oh, it's fast. You were going after the movie poster. Well done. I was. Well nice done. Nice job. Nice job. All right. John, how would you like to score that? Uh, <laughs> well, like I said, Marie, Marie gets the most points because because she didn't know the movie that well, so she did the movie poster, and that was brilliant. <laughs> Uma on the bed, you guys didn't see it, right? But she was doing. Yeah. I was trying to short, the, so short know, hair and bangs. Quentin Tarantino's like like a uh, little foot fetish thing going on. The whole thing was this. So. <laughs> Which is great. Like a couple weeks ago, I got Kill Bill 2, and I literally just showed a close-up of my feet. That's all I did. Half the movie, right? So that was 200 for Marie? Wow. Wow, she just took the game. You go, girl. Who got the answer? Nate. All I did was hear it and was like, I don't have to do anything else! <laughs> I'm being say? honest. Wait, what did she say that made you say Pulp Fiction? She was smoking, and I when I see smoking, like when that takes center stage, I'm like, oh, Quentin Tarantino. Yep, there you go. <laughs> it was an easy one. <laughs> How much for Nate? All right, we'll give Nate 200 points for getting the answer. 200 okay. points. All right, that changes. And how much stuff for Molly? Uh, uh, <laughs> 75 to Molly. Yes. For pandering. 75 for Randy for participating. Ah! <laughs> for f***'s sake. You're welcome, Randy. All right. Our points are, in last place, you have myself with 175 points. Next, 
We have a two-way tie between Molly and Randy at 575. Nate is next with 750. And Marie is in the lead with 825 points. For f***'s sake. Five-time winner, Molly. Five-time. I've only won twice. (sighs) Join us when we return. You're going to find out that Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. We'll also have a pop quiz from Home Ec and Wellness, and technically correct, only on Balderdash Academy. Go Dashers! (laughs) (laughs) Nice job, Marie! Meet the characters of Balderdash County in Balderdash Academy Teacher's Lounge. You've heard the game show. Now you can go behind the scenes as you meet the students and faculty of our fine school. Unlock the mysteries of the centuries-old buildings or even go outside the school grounds to meet the denizens of the village of Balderdash. Character, comedy, and mystery abound in Balderdash Academy Teacher's Lounge every other Wednesday on your favorite podcast service. All right, welcome back to Balderdash Academy. Our points are, in last place, you have myself with 175 points. Next, we have a two-way tie between Molly and Randy at 575. Nate uh, is next with 750, and Marie is in the lead with 825 points. (laughs) Jiminy Cricket, you guys! All right, speaking of Marie, it is now time for our final pop quiz of the night. This pop quiz is from the professor of home ec and wellness, Marie Stewart Harmon. Marie, what do you have for us? Um, I have something that is one of my personal wellness pieces of advice, and it's something that happens sometimes when somebody drinks too much. Um, and Maybe you get really excited and perhaps you get the hiccups. And the hiccups Mm. are one of the more annoying things I think a human can experience. Um, They feel like they're unstoppable. They just just keep coming and you have like, and so many people have been like, how can I get rid of my damn hiccups? So faculty, I would like to know what you guys do to get rid of your hiccups or if somebody nearby you has right, the hiccups. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Nate, do your kids ever get the hiccups and how do you solve it? They do. They do get them. And my son hates them. He just like, it's just like, he's not one. He's not the type of kid that gets depressed, but when he gets the hiccups, it's just like the plug has been pulled. He just powers down and he doesn't want to talk or do anything. Um, the yeah, fix. It's exhausting. It's exhausting and it's maddening because you can't stop. You have no control over them and you don't know when they're coming. Um, I found that uh, the fix was we have an overabundance of, um, I think they're called tantons. And what I do is I just take them, I cut them open, and then I put whoever has the hiccups, my kid, myself, whoever, you crawl into the tanton. That's what they're called, right, Bob? Do you mean tantons? Tantons, yeah. Yeah, tantons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tantons are a uh, hygiene product. I don't know. I they were they were on they were on clearance. I don't know. Um, but yeah. anyway, yeah, for large space going camels. But yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't know. Maybe they use tan 
tantons, the, the tauntons, <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, but anyway, if you cut them open and then you crawl inside, you spend the night, um, hiccups go away. I had to sew them in, though, because he didn't like it in there. Okay, um, but it specifically has to be a tanton slash tauntaun. A tauntaun with or, with or without a tanton. Doesn't matter. Okay, all right, all right. But specifically that creature. Noted. Yes. Thank you, Nate. Oh, yeah. That is very, Definitely. very helpful. Um, uh, Molly, what about you? How have, how have you ever cured the hiccups before? Okay, so you mentioned uh, maybe you're a little inebriated, you got the hiccups. So um, the best thing that I find to do in those situations is to really channel my inner Timothy the Mouse from Dumbo and really think about those dancing pink elephants and those bubbles and how they shape shift and they really scare the out of you, right? Like those elephants are coming for you. So I channel my inner Timothy the Mouse. I visualize that horrific horror show of elephants dancing in my mind. And it really, it gets me on a whole different mental plane and I'm good to go. Thank you, Timmy. There you go. All right. Scary cartoon elephants. Got it. Randy, what about you? How do, how do you get rid of the hiccups? Uh, well, it's taken a lot of trial and error over the years. Um, but the, yeah. the tried and true method that I've come up with is, um, it's going to sound a little weird, uh, but, uh, it involves a helium balloon and a trampoline. Uh, so I go in the backyard, uh, not good during the winter cause the trampoline gets a little too stiff. Uh, but, uh, you inhale the helium, you, you start doing somersaults on the trampoline while then singing when the saints go marching in, in a really high pitched voice and they go away in no time. Yeah. It takes a lot of focus to be able to do that. Saints. I saw you doing that once. I didn't realize it was because you had it was, the hiccups. It was the hiccups. I had too much scotch. <laughs> I had no Randy, idea. Randy, are you, are you aware there's a helium shortage? I mean, well, I'm sorry about that. I just, I had to get rid of my hiccups somehow. I know. I'm just saying you might've had a lot of hiccups you're dealing with. I now understand the shortage. Yeah, yeah. Um, headmaster of all of us, wise one, what would you do to get rid of the hiccups? I'm going to answer this honestly. So I mentioned this before. I um I have ADHD. It's one of my superpowers. It's why I can pick of uh, uh those uh the uh the words quickly. Words and um, <laughs> So. One of the things that I do is I just place all of my focus and attention on the fact that I'm hiccuping and I only ever have one hiccup. I just stop. I don't think I've had more than two hiccups. Magical superpowers. You're like Dwight Schrute where you can control your own blood pressure. That is an an honest answer. I just focus on the hiccup and they just stop. Will the hiccups away. Yes, or... I forget I'm hiccuping yeah, or I get easily distracted. And this is true. And I just forget that I'm hiccuping. <laughs> all right. Sure, sure. These have all been very, very helpful answers, especially the slicing open of a mythological creature. But before I go into what I would do, which has been a tried and true method to remove the hiccups, John, would you like to say anything about any of these really wonderful responses. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Molly's really eager to hear what you have to say. 
I, and, and I'll give you a quick little recap of what everybody said, if you'd like. So Nate, he, he encourages the slaughter of a mythological creature and the stuffing of a human into it and sewing it up, removing them for after a full night's sleep, and the victims are gone. It could possibly work. Um, Molly uh, chooses to envision scary cartoon elephants like the little Timothy Mouse from the movie Dumbo, and that seems to work for her. Randy inhales helium and goes jumping on a trampoline while singing in that very high-pitched voice. The wind the sings, go marching in. marching in. Um, and Bob, with his innate superpower to just will them away with the pure, sheer motivation of distraction. ADHD, it's nothing but a useless superpower. There you go. John, what? I mean, these have all, some of these could potentially work. Uh, I think most of them work. Um, I think they'll all work. Uh, Nate, first of all, um, while a tauntaun is fine, um, you can also use a, uh, a dog. If your child is small enough, it will work. It doesn't have to be a tauntaun. Um, oh, worried for your family dog. Um, <laughs> Alan, cue the ASPCA disclaimer. <laughs> uh, llamas are also really good replacements, as tauntauns are hard to find. Mm -hmm. but, um, what about alpacas? For, the, for extreme cases over time, that will get rid of the hit. It's the lightsaber that's hard to find. So for somehow, really somehow bringing Star Wars into hiccups through the mind of your son, I give you a hundred and. 50 points for that. That was good. Love it. Love it. <laughs> um, what I like to do when people have the hiccups is scare the shit out of them just because it's an opportunity to do so. And um, <laughs> Molly is apparently afraid of dancing pink elephants, which is a fear tactic, which definitely helps hiccups. So we're going to give Molly 200 points for um, coming up with a real answer. Uh, yeah. Uh, helium <laughs> and a trampoline, also very, very, very effective. Much like the Tauntaun, it doesn't have to be when the Saints go marching in. It, that, that's just what works best for me. <laughs> works for you. Maybe each individual has their own song. Maybe like a Slayer song or something. Right. So, Maybe for you, John. Coming yes. around the mountain, man. For... And, uh... yeah. I enjoy myself. All right. <laughs> yeah. And they'll be gone in about 40 minutes. Yes. <laughs> And uh, Bob's HDHD hiccup. Um, oh, I didn't give anybody any. I didn't give points out. I'm sorry. Uh, Randy will give Randy 100 points for that. And uh, Bob for the whole one hiccup thing. I hate you for that. And you get <laughs> 50 points. <laughs> My wife hates me for it too. So. <laughs> yes. After you have one hookup, do you yell out Uno? Hick. I got to be honest with you. I learned how to do it because I'm an actor first. So I, I, I got the hiccups on stage. I had to find a way to shut it off. So I just, mm. I did. Yeah. That's, I don't know how. I, okay. Or, yeah. So same. Uh, Bob, that is an amazing, amazing superpower that I would like to learn how to harness myself. And I have yet to figure out how to make the hiccups within my own body go away. But Bob is actually onto something with my method over the past several years. I'm probably, I've probably cured at least 20 different people of their hiccups by the pure mode of distraction. They tell me that they have the hiccups and then I start asking them very specific questions that they have to think about and they know the answers to like, what did you have for breakfast yesterday? Or what were you wearing on Monday? Things that they know, but you have to like, wait, what was I wearing on Monday? Monday I did this mm. and then I was wearing jeans and I had a blouse, you know, and then you suddenly 
the hiccups have disappeared. This actually worked with previous, our last week's guest, Amanda. She was hiccuping so bad one day. And then I just started asking her what her and her boyfriend were eating for breakfast that previous week. And suddenly her hiccups were gone. So Bob was actually onto something with the distraction. It's simply the motive. You can't really distract yourself. That's harder. So that Bob's brain distracts himself onto the next thing after hiccup one is amazing. And yes, we all- You're a witch. You're a witch. Witch. (laughs) So to make it easier, I will burn myself later. (laughs) (laughs) So Marie, that that was a great- that was a great, uh, great suggestion. And, and now you can now all time. take this and cure your friend's hiccups. <laughs> there you go. It's now time for our last 30 second or less question. John, what camp do you fall into? Video game, board game, crossword, or other? Hmm. Word That's That's a tough one. Um, I'm going to have to go with uh, crossword. I'm a word guy. Um, I love crosswords. I'm not very good at them, but uh, yeah, that whole idea of like getting into puzzles and figuring them out is pretty much how I've conducted my entire adult life. So I'm a crossword guy. Yeah. yeah. Follow-up question. Um, for anybody here, is Sudoku a crossword? Cross number? Sudoku is a logic puzzle. A logic puzzle. There you go. That's yeah, my yeah. jam. It's a patterned logic puzzle. Bob yeah. knows. So, <laughs> of course John, he does. As a crosswords guy, this next game is going to be a favorite one, I hope. And it's called Technically Correct, Molly's oh. favorite game. Oh. I will read a description of a movie that is technically correct. Our faculty members will all come up with an answer as fast as possible. Sean will then award points based on the answers that he likes best. So, movie number one. Ill-tempered visitors catch a bug. Ill-tempered visitors catch a bug. Marie, what do you have? Oh my god! Um, Men in Black! Men in Black. Nate, what do you have? Uh, Grumpier Old Men. <laughs> Grumpier old men, Molly. Uh, honey, I shrunk the kids. Honey, I shrunk the kids, and Randy. Very large ants. Uh, alien. Alien. So we have ill-tempered visitors catch a bug. We have Marie yeah. with Men in Black, Nate with Grumpier old men, Molly with Honey, I shrunk the kids, and Randy with Alien. The answer was War of the Worlds. Ah, yeah, totally. Ill-tempered visitors catch a bug. John, how would you like to score? Uh, Let's see. I thought it was Men in Black, so we'll we'll give uh, Molly 70 points, and everybody else gets 50. It's Marie. It's Marie. points. Everybody else gets 50? Oh, I'm sorry. It's Marie. 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 Yeah, yeah. See how fair and honest I am? You are fair and honest. We're recording this. We can... Alan would catch it. (laughs) Yeah, he'd catch it. All right, the next movie, A Man's Pipe Dream Becomes a Nightmare. Nate, what's your answer? Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. With Bob Hoskins and John Wilkes. Molly, Molly, what, what no. do you have? Um, uh, Tank Girl. That's a good answer. So Tank Girl. 
don't know. Thank there's pipes girl. in it. There are. Randy, what's your answer? Uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. And Marie? Pineapple Express. <laughs> Pineapple Express. All right. We have a pipe. A man's pipe dream becomes oh, a nightmare. Man. We have... Nate's Super Mario Brothers, Molly's Tank Girl, Randy's Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Marie's Pineapple Express. Oh. The real answer was Nate's Redemption. I'm sorry, the Shawshank Redemption. Oh. <laughs> no! You missed it! You missed no. it! Wait, hang on, hang on, wait. Okay, so you said the pipe dream. I immediately thought of Shawshank, but ends with what? A nightmare. A How man's pipe dream, because what is the pipe filled with? <laughs> but that's not how it ends. It ends with him on the beach in San Juan Tanejo. Flashback. A man's pipe dream becomes a nightmare. This has been a Balderdash Academy flashback. Oh, I thought you said ends in a nightmare. Oh, my it first thought was Shawshank. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to be okay. a Steve here okay. and be like, they didn't work together. John, <laughs> Nate's that was brilliant, perennial answer to almost everything is Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. And he missed <laughs> so it. So how would you like to score? I think, I think in spirit, Nate had it right. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> so how would you like to score, John? All right. We'll give, uh, I don't know, man. I'm going to give 100 points for whoever said Tank Girl just because. All right, 100 points to Molly. I actually I got some comment. points in this game. And yeah, I yeah, yeah. Super Mario Brothers, was that even a movie? Or Yeah, Bob Hoskins. And yeah, Johnny it was Lizama. horrible. All right, we'll give you 100 points for that. And 75 for Raiders and Pineapple Express. All right, 75 for Raiders and Pineapple Express, our next movie. This one is in honor of John. A kid from Queens finds himself in a sticky situation. Molly, what's your answer? Jeez, um, crow. Uh, Newsies. Newsies? <laughs> Newsies. Randy, what do you got? Uh, coming to America. Coming to America, Marie? Um, um, a kid in King Arthur's court. All right, kid in King Arthur's court. Nate, what's your answer? Spider-Man. So we have Molly. So the uh, the the movie, a kid from Queens finds himself in a sticky situation. Molly has newsies. Randy has coming to America. Marie has a kid in King Arthur's court. And Nate has Spider-Man. Well, the kid... In this is from Forest Queens. He has an Uncle Ben. It is, of yes, course, yes, Spider Man. Yep. <laughs> All right. Also, Very newsies. Nice job. So, John, how would you like to score? Well done. All right. So, 150 for Spider Man because I actually knew that one. Yeah. Or I thought I did anyway. Um, but even before I came up with Spider Man, my first thought was coming to America. But of course, Eddie Murphy wasn't from Queens. He went to Queens to find his queen. So um, we'll do 100, 100 points for coming to America. Oh, man. 100 points for Newsies, just because you came up with that so fast. Yeah, for sure. And I'll give 75 points for King Arthur's Court. 
Nice. Um, <laughs> something queens be in there that I'm not aware of. But anyway. Well, it was a king. <laughs> All right. All right. Our last technically correct, a visitor to oh, New York oh. discovers that it's dangerous to fall for a blonde. Marie, what do you have? Godzilla! Godzilla. Randy? I'm going to go with King Kong. King Kong. That's it! Oh, oh. oh man. God damn it. I'm Nate, say what's ho- your answer? Home Alone 2. <laughs> and Molly, what do you got? Uh, that movie with the prostitute. <laughs> pretty women. Is this the one where you're just going to keep on like pretty streaming woman. it along? Pretty, okay. pretty <laughs> woman. You mean the famous blonde? <laughs> yeah, she dyed her hair right. for the movie. This is just like Bird Box. You just kind of describe it until somebody else gives you the answer. <laughs> I we all well it's, King Kong. Okay. All right. So we have a visitor to New York discovers that it's dangerous to fall for a blonde. We had Randy with King Kong, Marie with Godzilla, Nate with Home Alone 2, and Molly with Pretty Woman. The answer was Randy's King Kong. Yeah. Got my monsters mixed up. (laughs) All right. Tauntaun. So, John, how would you like to score? All right. 50 for Randy for getting the right. Uh, right. Um, yeah. Uh, 125 points from basically giving him the right answer um, with the wrong answer. No, I saw. I'm going to give 100 points for Home Alone too because in I don't know if uh, Joe Pesci or whatever was a visitor. Wait a minute, that was Chicago. All right. They did meet a blonde. That was pretty- the second one took place in New York. Did it? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Home Alone 2 lost Wait, he- in New York. He's not done, Bob. Oh, I have no idea. All right, cool. How many points did I give you? We'll give you 25 more points then for that. All right. And coming up with the blonde. All right. And um, everybody's favorite blonde from Pretty Woman. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a really big smile. I don't know, Molly. I'm gonna have to give you 75 points for that one. I, that is that. that is generous. I will take all that. right. All right. So that's it for tonight. It is now time for tonight's moral. So after listening to the questions tonight after after laughing with the faculty and our visiting professor after uh after playing our games the moral of tonight's story is very clear when you're out partying at a slayer concert make sure you and your drinking partners have a safe word mm. all right so, <laughs> so let's find out who won this thing tonight shall we Oh, dear God. We have myself (laughs) in last place with 225 points. Next, we have Randy with 950. Molly with Ah! 1,100. Who's it going to be? So now we're down to Marie and we're down uh, to Nate. So did Nate win number six? Did Marie win? Well, Marie has 100 a 1,170, which means Whoa. Nate is our six-time 
reigning champion with 1,300 oh points. Every time I train! You... <laughs> Every time. You got a lot of it's points for your charade. <laughs> so, John, John, thank you for being uh, our visiting professor tonight on Balderdash Academy. The yeah. link to John's book, The Modern Gentleman, The Guide to the Best Food, Drinks, and Accessories is available in the description. Thank you for visiting us at Balderdash Academy. I've been your headmaster, Bob LeBlanc. Joining me has been uh, Professor of Computer Technology, Randy Hunt. Au revoir. <laughs> we have our Professor of Home, uh, our Professor of English Language Arts, rather, Molly McGill. I'm humble and gracious loser. <laughs> the, the image of poise, now <laughs> Molly. Next, we have the professor of home ec and wellness, Professor Marie Stewart Harmon. Numero dos. <laughs> we have our six-time reigning champion, Professor of <laughs> Steam, Nate Green. Nice Buenos job, noches. <laughs> and of course, our visiting professor, Yay! we have John McCarthy. Slanche! Right on. Cheers, y'all. Flawless. All right. <laughs> Good night, and thank you for listening to the podcast. We have options available if you'd like to support the show directly or show your school colors with some Balderdash Academy merchandise. For more information on the show, support options, or merchandise, please visit our website at balderdashacademy.com. Thank you for listening, and have a good night. Join us December 28th as we welcome visiting professor Jesse Thal. Jesse is an L.A.-based audio and video editor producing content for Netflix, Warner Brothers, Universal, and more. You might know him as Jetsy, the electronic music artist. If you love pugs, video games, 80s beats, or electronic music, make sure to catch the next episode of Balderdash Academy. Balderdash Academy was produced and edited by Bob LeBlanc. Theme music by Thinkfish Tank. Performed and written by Steve Corning, Carla Rose Dubois, Nate Green, Randy Hunt, Bob LeBlanc, Molly McGill, and Marie Stewart Harmon. Copyright 2020, Robert J. LeBlanc and Steve Corning. All rights reserved. Go Dashers!